Hello, and welcome to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast, where you'll be inspired to become the best version of yourself, overcome limiting mindsets, and grow into the leader of excellence you were called to be. Here's your leadership and lifestyle coach and guide, Stacy Barlow-Hill. Hello, Succeeders. I am so excited to be with you today. I have my friend Marlon Woods with me on the line today. I'm so excited for you guys to hear his story. And as soon as you hear his voice, you're going to know that he has something amazing to say. So welcome, Marlon. Stacey, thank you for having me. (laughs) this This is a blessing. It really is. Thank you. Thank you. See, I told you, as soon as you heard his voice, he has that voice that just, as soon as he talks, like, you know, there's something that's like profound and powerful that's about to come out of it. (laughs) So Marlon, thank you. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? So first and foremost, thank you for having me. This is a remarkable platform that will generate followership and then viewership that uh, will, quite frankly, astound your understanding in not very many days from now. And so that said, you know, I am Marlon Woods and uh, uh, a native of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, born and raised in the inner city uh, called East Liberty. Uh, Went to high school here in East Liberty, moved away for uh, about eight years uh, at the age of 26 and uh, spent my time uh, away uh, in South Beach, Miami, in Atlanta, Georgia, and Beverly Hills, California, West Hollywood, uh, California, and then back home to Pittsburgh, uh, where I've, I've had tremendous responsibility. And then the blessing of my life came through uh, meeting my incredible wife, who was the real star of our household. And so you know, I uh, have written a book and 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 I'm trying to talk it down. But um, you know, I've written a bestseller uh, and an Amazon bestselling selling book and uh, uh, on sales behavior. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I travel the country and even the world public speaking on that subject of sales behavior, uh, healthcare, and employee benefit solutions. Uh, uh, I am also uh, ordained to the pastorate. I do not pastor a church, but uh, I have the designation uh, by ordination. And so uh, uh, with that, I have I have strong passion to uh, the things of God and to making for certain that every venue that uh, I'm asked to 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 add value to uh, that they're they experience. Uh, the power of God on one level or another uh, through the service that uh, I have been uh, very fortunate uh, and even purposed by design to provide. And so uh, uh, traveling the country, uh, public speaking on sales behavior and, and employee benefits and in healthcare, uh, I sit on a number of, uh, of national and local boards, uh, all in leadership, uh, executive leadership roles. I've been very fortunate uh, to 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 have those things uh, become my reality, and uh, I spend my time, you know, especially since uh, the quarantine, uh, uh, which started in March, second week of March uh, here in Pennsylvania, 
uh, just reading a number of books. I'm an avid reader. And, uh, you know, uh, I just uh, personal development is uh, a thing that I absolutely love. And so, uh, uh, I mean, that's just I'm I'm a husband, a father, you know, and I enjoy and adore being both. Uh, I am my wife's number one fan. Uh, I am I call myself merely her arm candy. And and and, my, you know, my children are fantastic. Our children are fantastic. Uh, they're all smart. They're all beautiful. And, uh, you know, they're all uh, going to at some point uh, run our reality uh, at some point as as leaders in their own in their own right. And so uh, and I'm also a friend of Stacey Barlow Hill and and very proud of that. So, you know, uh it's it's difficult to talk about yourself in that regard, you know. When when folks say, "Well, tell me about you," and you know, and so, <laughs> but uh, in in a, in a nutshell, that's 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 pretty much what it is. Uh, lastly, I'll, I'll I'll say that I founded uh, what's called the Empower Me Summit. The Empower Me Summit is a, a speaker series for Black folks uh, here in Pittsburgh that uh, uh, attracts people from different parts of the country here to Pittsburgh to uh, encourage the collective community uh, to take care of one another from an economic standpoint uh, uh, and, and from a, a wealth or fiscal standpoint as well, uh, uh, which is an incredible experience that we have uh, annually once a year. Uh, we won't be having uh, Empower Me uh, live this year, obviously due to uh, the uncertainty of, of, of COVID-19 and, and and legislation uh, uh, around that. And so that's, uh, in a nutshell, my elevator pitch on me. Very awesome. Yes. So there's there's a lot to unpack here, but this is, this is amazing. And uh, we kind of were talking before we started recording and we were saying how sometimes people see this level of success and often you know, they, they wonder why they can't get there or why they haven't gotten there yet. And we talked about how there's a whole journey and there's just a whole process of things that happen, failures, life lessons, um, long days, sleepless nights, things that happen in your life that have to happen for you to be able to get to this level, for you to be able to say, I have a best-selling book and I'm a public speaker and I've traveled the world and I'm on these boards. Those things don't just happen. So if you can, Marlon, maybe give us a little bit of um, your background, maybe how you grew up and maybe some of your life lessons along the way that got you to this point in your life. Sure. Great question. I call it my path to niche. It mm. is... And I say that because the more narrow you become, the more impactful you become. Mm. The more narrow you become, the more impactful you become. And so uh, uh, on this path to niche, it has been a very eclectic uh, 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 transition, uh, development, uh, uh, evolution, if you will, to this place. And no, it doesn't happen uh, overnight. Now, what can happen overnight is that you make up your mind that you will be something. Yes. And from that decision and then accompanied with a declaration of the same, your trajectory 
begins to shift or transition in the most efficient way possible uh, due to the technology of God in the way that God physically materializes his own personal expression. Now, this isn't church and this isn't a sermon, if you will, but this is about my life. And, and if I'm explaining the circumstances of my development or even my trajectory or climb, then it founded upon uh, the, 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 the glory of God, uh, extracting glory for, for himself from me, which is ultimately our, our responsibility as people. And so uh, I, you know, like I said earlier, I am from East Liberty, which is the inner city section of Pittsburgh, which was always cool to me, but now it's been gentrified and everybody thinks it's cool now. <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> you know, uh, I literally call it the center of uh, East Liberty. Uh, there was no place like it. And so uh, uh, coming up, you know, I came up, you know, uh, 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 a child of, of, of two parent household, you know, and you know, uh, that's not an anomaly in the black community. Black, you know, uh, black folks had two parents, you know, uh, you know, that's just it. That's, you know, that's it's that that whole narrative around, you know, black folks and not having two parents in the household uh, is not entirely true. I had two parents in a household. uh uh, and they were hardworking and they did all that they could to make certain that we, uh, my sister, my brother and me, I'm the oldest of three, that we had uh, uh, some sense, you know, number one, two, that we recognized our salvation. And then, you know, and then thirdly, we we gleaned from other benchmarks in other communities uh, who were thriving. And so, you know, my grandmother was the help for two Jewish families uh, living in the Squirrel Hill section of Pittsburgh, which, you know, uh, to your listeners, everybody may not be from Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania. And so uh, it is an affluent, uh, a very affluent region in the city uh, by which uh, is is predominantly populated by a very wealthy Jewish persuasion. And so uh, uh, my, my great grandmother was the help in two Jewish homes and they had sons, uh, those two Jewish families, both had two sons in each household. And they were both, both sets of sons were my age. So I was raised with these uh, two sets of uh, brothers uh, in these very wealthy homes uh, by uh, these attorneys. And so, and then you had where I come from uh, on the other side of the tracks in East Liberty, where it wasn't the slums and it wasn't necessarily the ghetto, uh, but it wasn't Squirrel Hill. And so, you know, uh, and we had a very authentic black life where we grew up drinking Kool-Aid and, 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 and eating jelly sandwiches, you know, because it was fun, you know. And so, <laughs> you know, because that was just a fun thing to do, you know. Uh, and so while meaning, meanwhile, my, my Jewish contemporaries were at summer camp in Toronto, Canada every year. 
every summer. And so, you know, but I grew up with both both influences being authentically black with your family and then growing up with these, you know, this, this you know, these white Jewish families uh, who were very, very, very wealthy, but also uh, was very loving and very inclusive to us where they accepted my grandmother and treated her like she was their family. So I spent a lot of my adolescence, I, I spent the majority of my adolescence going to a lot of bar mitzvahs, you know, and at the same time playing with the boys in the hood, you know, football in the middle of the street, you know, waiting for the car to go out so we can resume our games, you know, and so I had a very authentic uh, uh, upbringing uh, experience on both sides of those tracks. And so uh, uh, I had a benchmark, you know, by which I knew looking at the Jewish situation that it was not like ours. So there's a differentiator there that told me that uh, what where, where we were wasn't the pinnacle reality, that there was another reality that was greater than the one that we were living, you know, and again, not that we were uh, uh, aggressively poor because we were not. Uh, nonetheless, we weren't uh, wealthy in a community that uh, uh, innately supports the thrivability of each other, like the Jewish community. And so uh, 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 growing up that way, you know, uh, I saw some things that most of my buddies didn't see, was exposed to things that my buddies weren't exposed to. You know, uh, the very large and beautiful homes, the imported cars, uh, the uh, international trips in the summertime for boys my age that I have been knowing since I was five years old. You know, and so, you know, uh, and then on the other side, you know, uh, uh, other other kids, you know, who had, you know, real destitute situations, you know, not all of them, but some of them, you know, it was the authentic black experience. And that's not necessarily to be associated or equated with poverty, but it certainly isn't the, the Jewish reality that I saw on both sides. So long story short, I saw in that a differentiation that there was, there was a greater. And so, and that stuck with me throughout my life. Now, you know, uh, uh, I didn't go to college. You know, I went out of I, I left high school and went right into the workforce. You know, my father, who is an academic, uh, you know, was, I mean, very, very aggressively and angrily protested that, you know, but I had a, you know, a, a, a plan, you know, uh, or at least what I thought was a plan at the time that, you know, by the time that my buddies, you know, uh, uh, graduated from college with about 80 to $100,000 of debt and no job and still living at home, I would have no debt and that I would not be living at home and that I would already be having work experience and would have already received my first promotion by the time my contemporaries graduated from university. And that happened exactly that way. And so uh, I was already on my first and maybe second promotion uh, making a lot of money uh, in 1993 as a 20-year-old young man, you know, and when you when you when you when you're pulling in thirty-five thousand uh, dollars a year as a 20-year-old in 1993, that was doing pretty doggone good, 
And so, you know, with uh, sales experience and sales uh, management uh, in uh, of retail organizations, uh, but high-end retail organizations where we had clientele. And so, you know, being able to build, you know, my own business that way. So sales was a huge driver of my mentality and even uh, success in, in e even in other businesses or even other industries. You know, I went from uh, uh, sales after, you know, doing well there as a, as a young man into radio. I became a gospel music radio disc jockey here in Pittsburgh and one of the best, you know, at that time, you know, um, you know, uh, Marlon Woods in the, in the afternoon. And then, you know, uh, most people think that the brother Marlon that's on now is still me. I said, <laughs> that's not still me. I left radio in 1998. I started in radio in 1995, <laughs> left radio in 1998, but people still think that because he's my namesake, that I am still on the radio. And I said, no, that hasn't been my, my situation in a long, long time. And so he laughs and I, we both laugh about it, you know? And, and so, you know, into radio and was very successful there. Uh, uh, I mean, I was, you know, doing things like hosting gospel music concerts of Kirk Franklin and Fred Hammond and others that were coming to town, you know, as well as dating gospel music celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that yeah. off, uh, right. off right. the podcast. <laughs> you know, so it was an experience, you know, uh, maximization is what I live by. Maximize the opportunity, uh, completely thrive in, in it. And so, uh, so from gospel music, uh, uh, radio dish jockey out of sales into a professional model which is why I ended up in South Beach, Miami, living in Miami, and then on to Atlanta, you know, and then from Atlanta to California and the Los Angeles area, you know, and so pursuing that, you know, which was a very interesting ride. And people say, well, why, why'd you stop modeling? And I tell people all the time, you don't quit modeling, it quits you. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, a, a very fickle industry, I don't care how cute you are, or how think, you, know, how, you know, how cute you think you are, you are seasonal. And, 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 and if your look is a look of the season, it will be the look of the season for a season. And then it moves on, you know? And so um, it has a shelf life like that of the NFL, which is uh, four years. And so, you know, uh, played with it for some time. And then eventually came home to Pittsburgh when I knew it was time to pivot by my father's recommendation, you know? And so, which my parents were actually living in South Florida at that time. And so he said, it's time for you to going home to Pittsburgh, son, you know, and I transitioned back to Pittsburgh, you know, and thankful, you know, that I did because uh, once I got home to Pittsburgh and began to reshift, uh, pivot and reinvent uh, my focus, uh, uh, the doors, uh, uh, multiple doors began to, to, to fly open, uh, you know, first in ministry, you know, traveling the world, I sat up under incredible men of God, uh, 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 Bishop Clarence McClendon in Los Angeles and, and, uh, uh, and the late Bishop Eddie Long, uh, in, in, in Atlanta, you know, and so, uh, uh, and others, you know, uh, the late, uh, uh, Reverend Daryl Coley, the gospel music singer was my mentor. And, and, and so having these men personally mentoring me, you know, uh, uh along with several others, you know, once again, these were men of, 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 of extreme excellence, and so and, and, and very disciplined, 
as it relates to uh, meeting uh, uh, maximized responsibilities. And so, and yeah, obviously, you know, we understand, you know, for those who are in the church world that there was scandal with Eddie Long, you know, towards the end of his life uh, before it ended due to cancer. Uh, nonetheless, I wasn't uh, a victim nor afflicted by those, th those idiosyncrasies uh, that he uh, uh, struggled or battled with. And so, uh, he was a father to me and I'm grateful to that. So I celebrate him. Uh, 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 and so, you know, coming out of that, you know, uh, into ministry uh, uh, and then launching a church uh, here in Pittsburgh out of my, uh, well, actually before that, uh, in Alderdice High School's auditorium, uh, we began to uh, 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 pack the folks in uh, there. And that is when I met my wife, you know, uh, she was not one of the uh, uh, members or parishioners or visitors. Um, I met her at, at a separate uh, uh, black tie uh, gala uh, for the Urban League Young Professionals. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, that was the season that we met. And uh, from that, uh, the Lord began to speak very clearly that I was to pivot out of conventional or traditional ecclesiastical ministry into business to influence God's people in a way that pulls them out of the paradigms that they're in, the, 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 the chains of fear and limitation, the fetters and shackles uh, of, of limited mobility into a free place through business and resource and economics, quite frankly, and a mentality shift that moves in particular black folks from one realm to another through inspiration because no mind changes unless it is inspired to. Uh, you can influence uh, a mind through suggestion and through information uh, and through exposure, but unless this, per this, this particular person or these people are inspired, which means the understanding that I can acquire or achieve. That's what it means. The understanding that I can acquire or achieve through, through uh, 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 a respected influence. So through inspiration, uh, minds are changed. And when minds are changed, uh, then circumstances change. Most people behave as though, as though they are victims of circumstances, maneuvering uh, uh, and reacting to life as though life is happening to them, not recognizing that we have the power to, uh, to, to influence the environment to adapt to us. So the chameleon, and, I'll, and, and let me sidebar that by saying this, the chameleon is a, an incredible animal that has an incredible gift to be able to adapt to its surroundings for its own protection. But the human Man has an even greater ability to make his environment adapt to him. And so that's the responsibility that I have been given to, uh, from the father uh, by design to influence uh, my sphere of influence that their responsibility is to make the environments, make the environments adapt to them by recognizing the power that they wield, that with God, all things are possible. Or I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So yeah, that 
that becoming my primary responsibility uh, into business uh, uh, when it's just spilled over into I ended up in, 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 in healthcare as a benefits broker and then launching my own firm. And then from there, becoming an angel's investor and from an angel's investor uh, uh, with my own company still uh, became uh, became uh, uh, a national public speaker. You know, I won't go into the, the details or in the weeds of that, how that happened. But it was through my you know, my benefits practice as a broker once I launched my own, becoming a subject matter expert after I wrote the book, because writing a book makes you a subject matter expert. So you have two people. One person has a business card that they give you and the other person has a book that they give you that they wrote on the subject. Which one do you think you're going to hire or do business with the one who wrote the book on it? And so that there I didn't write the book for book sales. I wrote it to position myself as the subject matter expert in the industry, uh, the foremost mind on that particular subject or topic. And so, and that alone began to uh, lead to other opportunities of public speaking and board uh, uh, a seat, you know, uh, occupancies and, 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 and other, you know, uh, societies, higher societies that uh, I was invited to, uh, because of being in a very small community uh, of that being the author. So I encourage you, uh, Stacey, even to write a book, find something that, you know, I shouldn't, let me not say find something, recognize, that's the difference. The thing that you have an answer for that frustrates you that there is no solution being applied to it. And that's the subject that you will write without writer's block to completion that you can speak to when called upon to talk about that very subject. And so that leads to one room, to another room, and to another room, and to from this society to this higher society, to that higher society, to the highest societies uh, 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 through personal development and accomplishment by merely recognizing the burden of your heart and the responsibility to answering or eradicating that gap with the solution you were designed to provide by recognition of the fact that you go to sleep with it and that you wake up with it. You can't shake it. It's something that it continually nags you no matter how much you attempt to run from it, uh, camouflage it with work and busyness. Uh, it is that thing that you are responsible for to provide solution for. And that thing will be will will lead to your greatest wealthy place and also ultimately the glory of God revealed. And so uh, from that on into, you know, uh, recognizing that there has been there are specific gaps, you know, with black folks in our community and, and, and how we manage things ourselves. You know, uh, I founded the Empower Me Summit. Uh, because unity is the greatest challenge that we have as, as a people. And so once you unify black folks, uh, mobilize black folks uh, and hold them uh, uh, or raise a level of accountability and standard to uh, their economic and financial and fiscal mentalities. Now you have a people that's more than formidable that can, quite frankly, like I said earlier, change or dictate the realities that 
uh, we experience. And so, you know, here I am today evolving into the place where now I am sitting on uh, uh, the Stacey Barlow Hill show. <laughs> Uh, today. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I could have just let you go on and on and you could have just took over the whole <laughs> podcast because there was so much richness. I was actually sitting here taking notes oh, wow. um, as you were writing. So I I loved it. But there's um, a couple things I kind of want to unpack a little bit further. And you were talking about um, kind of balancing both worlds when you were talking about growing up. Um, kind of balancing between your life in East Liberty and growing up with the affluent Jewish families. And that kind of mirrors my story. And I've always felt like um, I was appreciative of that in some way. And I, I did not, I did not grow up poor. I grew up with a two parent household as well. Um, But my schooling and even for a small period of time, we lived in a community where we were the only black family. Like I was the only black child in the whole school district. Like it was a very, very small town. And I lived there until I was nine years old. Um, And then we moved to where my family is now. And even in that school, I I was still a minority, but there was a a larger population of um, black children. But I remember going there. And not really knowing which way to go. I was happy to see people that looked like me, but I was accustomed and used to being around the ones that didn't look like me. And it was really hard to try to balance. And then we joined a predominantly black um, church, um, you know, congregation. So my worlds were really um it felt kind of yeah. separate. Like I had a, <laughs> you know, and our church was in the hood and, you know, in an area that you needed service and that we did serve a lot of the time. So I was exposed to both of these rules and had friends in school. And I remember feeling like as I was growing up um, that I almost needed to be wow. two people yep. and not, not in terms of, not in terms of my personality and my character, but kind of the way maybe that I navigated myself in those worlds. Like maybe when I was with my black, you know, my, my church community, I could be free. I could, (laughs) you were talking about, um, it was something you said about um, experiencing the true black community, something you said when you were talking about the Kool-Aid and everything and Mm -hmm. authentic, that's what you said about the authentic black experience. And there's something about being able to just authentically be you that is just, you can't even put words to that. However, I remember feeling, um, and my husband and I <laughs> joke about this all the time because he's from Philadelphia and didn't really experience um, much of the white community until he moved to Pittsburgh. But I'll randomly be singing like Oklahoma <laughs> or like <laughs> something like, <laughs> like crazy because you know, I've, <laughs> I've experienced both worlds and I, I know that stuff. So when it comes on the TV, I'm like, oh, Oklahoma, you know, I, I know that stuff. <laughs> and he'll look at me like, how do you know this stuff? And so it's, it's I'm, so I'm appreciative of living both of those because I feel like it's helped me navigate. It's helped me be able to, um, appreciate and understand perspectives from kind of all viewpoints. Um, And I feel like that kind of mirrored kind of the experience that you have. So I definitely relate to that. Um, But what I wanted to kind of shift into was how you were talking about um, 
this responsibility that you felt you had to um, help others in the Black community to be able to experience that and to, to build each other up and to have a place um, that they can come to that they feel empowered, you know, hence the Empower Me Summit. And I've attended a few of your summits and um, I'm just, I'm amazed that that exists and that more people outside of Pittsburgh, obviously, I mean, this may be your season to make this virtual um, and, and yeah. to do a virtual summit and to, to get it yeah. outside of Pittsburgh because there's so many that, and especially in a time as this, it's so needed. I mean, you were doing this before it was popular. Yeah. I mean, now it's, you know, it, it's popular now. Now there's, you know, people are talking about it and now people are aware of it. And there's people that don't look like us that are talking about it and are aware of it and are protesting and are fighting with us. And what a better time for you to be um, the face of something like this, something that already exists. Yeah. <laughs> this was already in place, you know, before this. And I think it's just, it's just an amazing thing. If you can maybe talk about that a little bit more um, and what you even see maybe as your future vision. Um, Absolutely. So, well, that. first uh, I so appreciate you attending the, in the empower me summits. They were, Empower Me was founded uh, because of uh, my mentees. I have several mentees. And when I say mentees, not just a bunch of people who uh, say they look up to me. I mean, actual people that I spend time with, uh, scheduled time for an hour once a month uh, that I've been doing that with for years. Some of them are recent college graduates, uh, brand new into career. Some others are seasoned professionals uh, and executives. Others are professional athletes uh, uh, playing in the NFL as we speak. And so uh, these mentees, some of them are recent, you know, prison releases. And, and so looking to pivot, you know, uh, and, and transform uh, their lives. And so uh, so I have these these mentees and I make them put a suit and tie on when they come and meet with me. Uh, this is not, you know, we get together just to chop it up. This is, you know, this is about, uh, and I'm not their psychologist or psychiatrist. My responsibility is to merely be a compass, a, a compass. That's what a mentor is. A mentor is a compass that doesn't tell you uh, 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 how to do it. It merely provides the uh, direction. Uh, and so uh, the direction says uh, north, south, east, or west. Now, I'm not going to make the decision for you. I'm not going to tell you to go north, south, east, east or west. That's your responsibility to determine and decide on your own. My responsibility to you is to only highlight your options. That's a mentor so that the mentor isn't held accountable when the mentee makes a decision and it fails. This creates an accountability on the mentee to make informed decisions by the directional compass approach, uh, directional compass relationship that I have to them. And so out of that, you know, uh, people were learning that I was mentoring certain people. 
I was mentoring uh, a, a young man who was the captain of the University of Pittsburgh's football team. And then his teammates started asking him questions like, why do you show up to practice and to games with a suit on? He said, you know, my mentor, you know, told me that, you know, um, excellence is also worn on the outward as well. You know, and so they said, well, you know, let me get down with your mentor, you know. And so, you know, people started finding out, you know, so, you know, uh, one kid who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers now running back was the teammate of this particular captain. And he reached out to me. Uh, and then a, a, another Pittsburgh Steeler who's not in Pittsburgh anymore, he's in New York by the name of Le'Veon Bell, uh, found me at the Rivers Club, which is a club that uh, a, a private executive club that I belong to uh, in membership. Uh, uh, saw me there and he was having a conversation and, and I told him my name. He's like, wait a minute, you, you're Briggs's mentor. And I said, I am. He said, you know what? Uh, I need to, can I sit down with you? Can I sit down with you? Can Do, do you have some time? And so, <laughs> you know, and at that, you know, and so others were finding out, you know, folks in the community, professionals, and people began to instant message me, text message me, call me, Facebook me, and, 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 and LinkedIn, you know, uh, connections and in, in, in outreach. And I told my wife, I said, I don't have the bandwidth. I can't mentor everybody. So because my mentorship is actual time spent once per month for an hour. And I don't charge for that. This is my give back, my responsibility. So from that, I told my wife, I said, I can't mentor everybody. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold a seminar and pull everybody into this seminar who's asking for mentorship. And I'm going to provide in this seminar, this two-hour seminar, one day, two-hour seminar in the evening, mentorship as though they're sitting with me like the other mentees do. And I will bring in other speakers and subject matter experts on several different points uh, of the human experience. And that's financial, spiritual, Social, domestic, meaning life in the home, whether you're married, single, children, no children, you know, your domestic lifestyle and your health and well-being. So those those as well as your community responsibility. So those six areas of the human experience, I said I would speak to. And because I confess that I don't know, actually know everything, I will bring other assets, other speakers, you know, uh, uh, subject matter experts and people who are thriving in other spaces in their lives in some of these different uh, 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 some of these different divisions of the human experience uh, to to uh, speak as well and put them on the platform. And I will keynote it at, at, you know, at the end. So we had our initial Empower Me Motivational Mentorship Seminar, which is what we called it at the time. And it was supposed to be for just the people who had been reaching out to me for mentorship. And it was like 30 different people. So I expected 30 people to show up at this summit. We had space for 40 because it, at the Rivers Club, because I expect 31 people to be able to, you know, you know, have some space. And so, well, day of the summit, a seminar happens and all 30, some people show up, but then there are another 20 people at the door at registration wanting to come in because they heard that I was having this seminar and the seminar quite frankly was supposed to be private and invitation only and close to 20 people were outside the door 
saying that they would pay the $8 registration. And, and that's all it was, $8. And the only thing, the, and the only reason I charged $8 versus it being free was because when you apply some sort of skin in the game towards it, you value it much more. And so uh, when you put a price on it, you value it. So I put the minimal price on a seminar. Uh, uh, and some people say $8 seminar. Well, you know, I'm not going to an $8 seminar, you know, that kind of thing. And so, but they ended up coming. And not only that, but others came and it ended up uh, over 50 people at the very first seminar to which was supposed to be private and invitation only. And so the Empower Me uh, uh, mentor, Motivational Mentorship Seminar was born at that time. And so I said, because of this demand, I'll have them biannually. I have them twice a year. So we had them, you know, uh, uh, in two seasons, you know, uh, once in, in November and, and the other in, in late March or early April. So I had the second one. And now we go from 50 to now 70. And then we had another one that following over. We go from 70 to now 90. And then we had another one that same, you know, following year in, in, in the spring, early spring. And now we're well over 100 attendees. You know, and then and then they just keep happening after that to the point where we had to change the name from Empower Me Seminar to the Empower Me Summit. And so this was all about mm -hmm. mentorship with black folks in particular. Why? Because just about every other community in this country has mentorship built in as a family dynamic, as a cultural dynamic, such as the Jewish community and other communities. They have cultural household by household family uh, dynamics of mentorship that their children grow up under. Meanwhile, uh, black folks, quite frankly, the mentorship piece is missing from our cultural development, our cultural reality. And so I wanted mentorship to be a part of the reset of our trajectory, because quite frankly, that is the only way that uh, the trajectory for a community is reset. And it's by mentorship. So it's by the turnaround and the give back. You know, you've got to turn around, give it back and pull it up. So my responsibility is to pull up as many as will take my hand to be pulled up. And that's how I approach mentorship. And, and that's quite frankly what the Empower Me Summit was built on. So, you know, we had to start. I, it got too much. It began to be cumbersome and, and a lot to plan biannually. So we just started doing them annually with the last one in November, this past November, where now we're close to 200 people in the in in in, in the ballroom. Uh, and so, you know, and I'm having speakers come from other parts of the country now. You know, uh, for an all black seminar with all, you know, an all all black cast, you know, uh, 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 on the marquee to invest uh, uh, mentorship in black folks as a community so that we can begin to take care of one another. Because I tell the, the summit all the time, uh, if black folks don't in this season start taking care of one another, we will be rendered irrelevant permanently. We will be left behind permanently. No other, no other community is coming to save us. No other people group is coming to save us. No other president, no other person is coming to save 
black folks, I should say no other white president uh, or, you know, or any other, you know, persuasion uh, 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 of nationality who happens to, you know, to, to live in the White House is coming to save black folks. Uh, uh, um, and so and that includes, you know, the the former black president that we had. Uh, uh, no one's coming to save black folks lest black folks begin to save each other. And that's the responsibility. Every other community in the world does this, but ours in, 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 in Western culture. And so mentorship being that primary component that uh, is missing from our community, you know, it was the burden of my heart to inject in, you know, uh, and insert mentorship, uh, at least uh, in, in the region of Pittsburgh uh, and surrounding areas with uh, mentorship leadership that we all come together from the wealthiest of us in the black community to the poorest of us in the black community, all in the same room with the same dress code, with the same shrimp and filet mignon that I provided at these summits and seminars. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, this, this wasn't <laughs> chips and dip. You know, because I want a part of that mentorship, Stacey, is to expose black folks as I was to a greater reality of excellence, a greater reality of standard. So there has to be a dress code. There has to be uh, uh, steak sliders. There has to be uh, crab legs. There has to be, you know, uh, the Rivers Club as the venue, you know. Uh, and so and this isn't your grandfather's, you know, seminar. So there was also a live DJ spinning on the ones and twos, you know, at, you know what I mean? Yes, at the, at the, because it's authentically black. Just because you come up doesn't, doesn't mean yes. you can't be authentic, you know, to, to your culture. You only improve the culture in the come up, in your authentic, uh, authenticism uh, in, within the black experience. And so, you know, you can still be authentically black and excellent at the same time. Have to be one or yes. the other. Yes. And so, and this is my issue with some of these other black folks in our community that have achieved uh, a certain level uh, uh, of 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 career uh, uh, attainment uh, or, or what we deem or call success um, that they tend to abandon what makes us authentically us. As a culture, the differentiator of us, you don't have to mimic another community or emulate the oppressive behavior or culture uh, uh, or disposition of another community in order to achieve a certain level or reality of, uh, of, of economic wellness. And so, you know, the Empower Me Summit was to tear down those silos, those divisions, those differentiations to say we are all black in this room. From black executives to the cashier at Walmart. We are all one community and responsible for each other. And if we don't begin to take care of each other, we will be rendered irrelevant permanently. We will be left behind permanently. So some of you Jack and Jill folks, You've got to start paying attention to what's happening in the ghetto. And you might want to visit a time or two. Instead of carrying yourself to the deep and farthest reaches of the suburbs. 
to never know what the realities of my grandmother, who's been living in Homewood, for those who are listening that are not from Pittsburgh, Homewood is the hood uh, in, in the inner city. Uh, but my grandmother, who's been living in, the, in, in, in Homewood for 80 years, she's 84, or I'm sorry, she's 86, and has been living in Homewood for 80 years, owns her house and the property next to it. And the disparities that happen there. You know, how about drive through the hood every now and then and get out your car, shake some hands and meet some folks. Ask, can you help? Uh, not using, you know, charities and nonprofits as buffers. But why don't you actually visit the hood, ride through it a time or two? And as far as the hood goes, not being so angry when black folks achieve success, saying they can no longer relate because, relate because they're now disconnected. So these different uh, uh, divisive uh, mentalities uh, that we have uh, uh, toward one another within our own community, uh, the summit was founded to to burn down. And so uh, that's, you know, the uh, in a nutshell, uh, uh, the Empower Me Summit, uh, why it exists and what its vision is and also what its mission uh, is. And so uh, 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 hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, let me just I want to go back and clear up one thing, though, because you <laughs> you were preaching about the the Jack and Jill folk. Um, and I want you to just kind of clarify what Jack and Jill is, because I don't want anybody to think that you were <laughs> right. calling so, out. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, so Jack and Jill is a is is a society of uh, of of black folks. Uh, Black people, Black people, you know, yeah. uh, who uh, expose yeah. their children uh, to uh, certain uh, uh, communities of pedigree. And so and its entire premise is on pedigree. And so there are uh, uh, community. They do community outreach uh, uh, as well as expose their children to uh, 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 and their contemporaries uh, to. Uh, uh, standards of excellence uh, from education, uh, universities, uh, um, uh, communities themselves, and uh, uh, and those types of things. And so, you know, um, uh, for the sake of the integrity of this show, uh, I, I I will I, I will highlight that that uh, there are some Jack and Jill communities that do good work. Um, I have my own personal. Uh, 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 conflicts with uh, its history and even some of the behavior and disposition of some of those black folks. You know, we love to talk about the, you know, the, the, the disparities of black folks and, 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 and smoking weed and buying Jordans and, 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 and living in the projects. And, and, and we love to come down on, on those folks. Uh, and we don't, you know, look at, you know, the other side and and some of the gaps, you know, of 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 disconnect with the other side of the black experience as well. You know, they're all I call them all into accountability to say we are one people, one people, whether you are Jack and Jill or whether you are a gangbanger. You will still be profiled by a police officer. Who makes a quarter of the money you make with your successful self and still feels and believes he is above you 
And so, and so you've got to place proper perspective on things relating to the black experience. We are all one people and we have a responsibility to each other, whether you were Jack and Jill or whether you are a gangbanger. We all have responsibility to each other to lift one another through the service of mentorship, unity, and economic compatibility and agreement so that there aren't these gaps of, of, of communication where one type of uh, persuasion of black society doesn't even interact with another persuasion of black society and there is a disconnect there. My responsibility is to tear down those disconnects to uh, transform us into one people, uh, or at least the realization that we are one people so that we can move forward as a people. So long as, as we are divided, we will always be conquered. And so uh, uh, we can't do it in our divisions. We cannot you know, progress in our societies. We can't progress in our groups uh, 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 and in the safety of our suburbs uh, 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 or even in the, in the confines of the hood. You know, we, we need each other. And that's very, very, very real. I know that what I say, you know, is is hard for some folks to 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 ingest and even to digest. But the reality of the matter is it's the truth anyhow, as my grandmother used to say. And so uh, we have a responsibility to each other. Stacy, I have a you are absolutely my responsibility, period. And so my responsibility or role is to see for certain that you thrive to the greatest realm of success that you can imagine. That's my responsibility. And I am committed to that. Like so for uh, the young man who is just coming out of prison and, you know, now, you know, has to check the box that he is a felon. My responsibility is to him to make for certain that he gets on his feet somehow with the, with the same type of inter-homogeneous uh, um, uh, community support that our other counterparts do. You know, you get the job because you are the CEO's neighbor's son. Well, it's the same responsibility for us that I make for certain that this brother has inference to my esteemed network or access to my esteemed network so that not, he doesn't just land on his feet with a with an hourly job but he is supported and surrounded with a, a uh, an accountability to his come up that not only does he transform but he also transforms the mentality of those who know what he did in his own family, uh, uh, to see his own transformation, which will inspire them. So this thing germinates. So it's beyond just a, a seminar or a summit, and it's beyond just Jack and Jill. It's beyond, you know, uh, pedigrees uh, and emulating white supremacy. It's, it's beyond those societies. It is a community uh, responsibility from the least of us to the greatest of us. Uh, as one. And we will only realize our freedom once we commit to that responsibility. But I'll, and I'll yield the floor back to you with that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to um, 
this is really good. I could talk to you all day about this. We may have to do a, a part two um, <laughs> one day in the future, but I kind of want to wrap up. I wrote down something you said earlier, and I think it kind of ties in with everything um, that you've talked about today, but I kind of want to end with this thought. You said earlier that no mind changes unless it's inspired to, and then you said that when minds change, circumstances change, and I think Everything that you just kind of talked about with, you know, the, the Blacks that are doing well and are affluent, maybe not co- pulling back and reaching back. Do you think they still have some mindset that they need to overcome as well as the ones that just got out of prison or the ones that have a record or are trying to um, overcome some some past, uh, you know, that they have to that they're trying to break free from? Um I believe it, it's all—it's all a mindset shift, really. You know, um, the ones that are that are affluent. Do you think maybe they're—they haven't had that mindset shift? They just saw some glimmer of success, and they're holding on to it because maybe they're fearful of losing it, and wow. they haven't had that mindset shift that, you know, maybe they need to give back you know you've you've said repeatedly that you've had this burden this this responsibility on you and I I resonate with those words because that's the way I feel I don't sleep at night because I feel there's a burden there's someone out there that needs to hear a message that needs something that I have to offer and that's a responsibility and a weight but I feel like some of those people they don't have that weight because maybe they're scared of losing what they've, (laughs) what they're clinging on to and what they're holding on to. But I'd like to just hear your thoughts around that and maybe what, what you think about that. Brilliant. And the fact that you gathered that from my reflections says one, that you are in tune, uh, two, you're spiritual, uh, and three, you have good sense, uh, and that it is your burden. So that's, you know, you have revealed yourself in that. And again, as I, as I shared in the opening comments, the authentic integrity of one Stacy Barlow Hill. And so, yes, there are um, mentality disconnects with even the black affluent because first and foremost, we have got to recognize that God is our provision. God is our provider. And our faith, trust must be, even uh, uh, to our provision, must be in God. When we lose sight of the fact that our faith and trust being in God creates provision for us, then we won't be so fearful to cling to what or I should say who what are or who the CEO who signs your checks is providing. And so we reverence the affluent community uh some of the wrong things. We are reverencing some of the wrong things. And if you build your entire empire on somebody else's provision, then you will behave as a slave to maintain the provision of someone else's hand. You've got to recognize that God is your provider. Let me say that very clearly. 
You can email me at Marlon Woods, <laughs> benefits-plus.us if you have issue with that. <laughs> and, 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 I will, and I will tell you the truth. God is your provider. God is your sustenance. God sustains. God maintains. And God increases. And so, yes, there, there needs to be a shift in mentality with some of, not all, of black effluent, but some of, and let me be very clear, some of the black affluent, that there are no barriers between you and your cousins in them. Because even in your affluence and your pedigree behavior, high society pedigree behavior, you still got some cousins and, and, and some aunts and uncles you know, and, 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 and maybe even some siblings that remind you that you are still a part of one community. And so, yeah, there needs to be inspiration that you've got to see God for who he is and the responsibility you have in God. Because once you recognize the responsibility you have in God, then you will find in innately built into that response, into that realization or recognition, the responsibility to reach back and to invest into someone else's come up in your same community. I'm not talking about the big charities uh, uh, that we know of, you know, uh, 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 you know, the ones that we see on TV and the commercials and disaster relief and all this other stuff, you know, and you're giving to this and giving to that. But I'm talking about Andre and them. Who is in either in your family or still in a neighborhood that you came from or that your extended family came from. This is what I mean by taking care of each other, not with buffers. But with authentic touch to be able to transfer the wealth of wisdom that you have with your affluent self to folks who need to see that they can achieve the same thing you did and not necessarily the same way, not necessarily within your matrix because truth be told, the matrix that you followed was the one that said, which was a matrix that was placed on you in order for you to be considered for achievement and they still disregard you. So you, you, you'll, you'll abide by their matrix by going to college, getting good grades, being a part of the honor societies, going to university, uh, magna cum laude, summa cum laude, fraternities. And nothing's wrong with any of this stuff, by the way. I'm not indicting it at all. What I'm saying is maintain the reality of perspective and all of those matrix and, and, and all of those things within that matrix come through, um, uh, 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 do your internships and have your mentors and sponsors just so that the white CEO can look or white uh, uh, senior leadership or executive leadership can look and say, you need more development. While the person who is the part of their community comes into that same role and they're already looking at 
where that person's next role will be. And so maintain perspective that your matrix isn't necessarily Andre and them's. The inspiration that you're providing is that you can achieve. And you can achieve with mentorship and support and sponsorship from those who have already trekked this excursion, trekked this odyssey. And so uh, that's my message to uh, uh, the black affluent is I think we need to stop focusing on our affluence and start focusing on our community. And when I say our community, I mean the network of black folks. Not necessarily the, sub, the gated subdivision that you live in. But we have a responsibility. Now, nothing wrong with the gated subdivision. But make for certain that you come and see about your folks outside of the gates. Yeah. And so I felt conviction there. Wow. Make sure you come and see about your folks outside of the gates. Because your gates are creating division by the narrative that the schools where you send your children are better than the ones that Andre and his kids go to. When those same teachers of other communities cannot relate to your black affluent children because they're black. And therefore can't be by virtue of being a part of another culture or community cannot fully invest in the total person of your affluent black child. So your affluent black child grows up with gaps and a disconnect, not fully realizing who they are because they've had influencers that don't share their experience. And so maintain perspective that you, my friend, Mr. and Mrs. Affluent, you have a responsibility to the hood as much as you think the politician does. Because quite frankly, the politician can't save the hood. Only you can. And so that's, you know, my, you know, th those are my, you know, my, 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 my closing or final words and conclusion to uh, uh, that matter of the responsibility to a mentality shift for even the affluent. God is your provider, not your chief executive, not your manager, not the director of your department, not your senior vice president, not your executive vice president. God is your provider. And when you recognize that innately, there is a responsibility for you to turn and give back to Andre and them. I will you you your your floor back and your and your and your podcast. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I, we're gonna have to agree to do a part two because there's there's so much yeah, more we could talk you about. Want, on whatever this you need to do, I'll be there for you. Go. I could I could talk about you. I mean, I could talk about a lot of this stuff with you for another hour. So, <laughs> but I think we're we'll wrap it up here. But so good, so good, so much to think about. Um, and your your passion just comes through. Uh, your your passion and your pastorism <laughs> come out <laughs> as soon as you begin to talk. <laughs>
it's just so innately in you that um, you just you can't no, get you away sure from can. it if you try. You and can. I love that. I love love that spirit. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting because I um, people have told me on many occasions that I should um, call myself a, a Christian coach or have a Christian podcast. And I thought about it in the beginning, um, but I said, you know what, there's no way that you could hear anything I do or my story or most of my guests without knowing that God is present. It's just going to come up at some point in time and it's going to come up in everything that you do. And I, and you said earlier that you can't talk about your story or your journey without bringing God into it. And I feel the same exact way. He's just, he's present in everything we do. And, um, you had even mentioned about, um, leaving the walls of ministry, the four walls of ministry to go out into, um, the business world and, and to be able to reach people um, that maybe would not otherwise come into those four walls. And that's exactly how I feel. The people in the walls are usually the ones that are already I'm saved. They you. have to be able to wow. get back and pull back the others that, that aren't that aren't in those four walls, the people that are with Andre and them and, and out on the streets and people that we can um, reach um, that we may not be able to reach in a physical building. So I am appreciative of you spending your time with me today. Thank you so much for your knowledge. Thank you for the notes you gave me today. I was, I felt like I was listening <laughs> to your podcast. So I thank you. <laughs> I thank you for it. But yes, let's agree. Let's do a part two one day, or maybe we'll tape a segment at Absolutely. one of your summits or something, but we must do this again because it was, it was very needed. And I know, um, Somebody was affected by this today. So thank you, Marlon. Um, how about let people know how they can reach you? I'm kind of scared to put this out there now because everybody's going to want you to mentor them. Um, but, <laughs> but maybe maybe put a non-direct way <laughs> that they can get it. How can they get a hold of you or find out more about any so, of your services? So, you know, I am uh... – uh, I'm on Instagram, but I'm not really an Instagram guy. It's Marlon, M-A-R-L-I-N underscore Woods, like Tiger, W-O-O-D-S underscore. Uh, and then you can also reach me at uh, 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 Instant Messenger. I'm on Instant Messenger. Uh, and you can email me uh, at Marlon, M-A-R-L-I-N, last name Woods, uh, W-O-O-D-S, one word, Marlon Woods. At, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, uh, Marlon Woods at benefits, B-E-N-E-F-I-T-S dash or hyphen P-L-U-S dot U-S. So that's Marlon Woods at benefits dash plus dot U-S. Awesome. And I'll, I'll put the description and the links to you so they'll be able to click on it and find you. But thank you, my friend. Anytime. I appreciate you. Thank Anytime. you so much. You give much. my best to your husband and those children. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast. Please remember to like and share and invite all of your friends to listen in. You can always follow us at liveleadsucceed.com and feel free to join our Facebook group, also Live, Lead, Succeed. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast. We hope that you were inspired and encouraged to reach just a little bit higher today. Remember, you've got this, and we're rooting for you.